0: All right, take your Bibles. Let's go to the book of Judges. Judges in chapter number 6. The book of Judges in chapter number 6 is where I want you to turn. Judges in chapter 6 here this morning. And thank you so much for being in your place here at the very beginning of this school year. And I hope this message is challenging and I hope this message is helpful. Judges chapter 6. Look with me at verse number 11. Judges chapter 6. Verse number 11. We're going to jump in about halfway through the story. Don't worry, we'll, we'll walk backwards and we'll pick up in, in verse 1 and we'll make our way to the end of the chapter uh, as the sermon goes through. But just for our scripture reading, look Judges chapter 11. Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee. Thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, then why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up, out of, bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go, in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you would use your word in our lives. And in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said together, amen. amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. You know, experts tell us that we have about 50,000 thoughts per day. The same experts tell us that about 75% of those thoughts are negative So by the time we've reached the age of 18, we've been told by others almost uh, 150,000 times or so that we cannot do something. We are internalizing it, and we're having these negative thoughts about the things of which we purpose ourselves to do. And then time comes for us to do it, and we wonder why. We're afraid. It could be a new job. It could be a new city. It could be a new relationship. It could be the first time away from home. It could be a pursuit of a career or the call of God on your life. It could be at college. It can be very uncomfortable. To walk into the unknown. It can be very scary. It can be very terrifying. But what if I told you this morning that those uncomfortable moments are often the places where we need to go. In order to discover God's purposes for our lives, in order to grow, in order to advance the cause of Christ in the world, those uncomfortable moments are often most needed in our lives. I remember in eighth grade, we had gone on a youth activity to an arcade this is probably predating most of you and revealing my own age, but the arcade was a place where they had all the video games because you did not have video games on your phone, okay, just so you know that. And you'd go to the arcade, and you'd take a dollar, and you'd get these tokens, and you could play, you know, whatever, Mortal Kombat or Tetris or Pac-Man, and you could do all these things. And so the, the youth activity was we were going to go hang out at the arcade. And so we went, and we were hanging out at the arcade, and that youth activity, there was a brand new girl who showed up. It was Amanda. I saw Amanda across the way. I'd never seen her with our youth group before. She was sitting over in the cafe section. She was sitting around with some girls. And Amanda, very politely, very delicately, very lady-likely, she was arm-wrestling every girl in the youth group. I mean, just a typical Proverbs 31 moment for me when I saw that. And not only was she arm wrestling girls, she was slam dunking them. I mean, she's bam, next, bam, next. Me being in 8th grade, I saw that and I thought, "Wow. I want to get to know that girl right there." <laughs> I was a little I was a little nervous, though. Like, what's what's my approach? How what am I going to say? How am I going to how am I going to start the conversation? So I, I, I did what any good, annoying eighth grade boy would do. I walked right by that table and I said, well, you can beat the girls, but you can't beat me. That's a good line. You should write, some of you should write that down, use it later. <laughs> During collegians, you can use that line. Maybe you'll get a date. Who knows? Amanda, just very meek, very mild, very ladylike. She said, I bet I can. Uh, Our youth group, you weren't allowed to hold hands. So we had to go get our youth pastor. And I said, hey, she wants to arm wrestle me and I want to arm wrestle her. This is once and for all to determine who is better, eighth grade boys or eighth grade girls. And he said, well, you're not allowed to hold hands. So we had to take a napkin and we had to put a napkin. (laughs) True story. We had to put a napkin in between our hands and we could hold hands if there was a napkin. I used that the rest of the way through youth group, every chapel service. Just put a napkin right there. It's okay if it's a napkin, babe. That's what he said. Arm wrestle. It was a scary moment. I remember sitting down to arm wrestle her and thinking. I mean, it seemed like the whole youth group was around us. And I remember thinking, "What if I lose?" <laughs> this, this is this is this, this is a no-win situation for me. What if I lose? That girl Amanda, who was arm wrestling kids at a youth group, who courageously stepped out, took a risk to start a conversation with her, became my wife. It's the greatest thing outside of salvation that has ever happened to me. It was uncomfortable. It was scary. It took a risk. But I am so thankful that I did that. Oftentimes in the purposes and plan of God, He leads us to uncomfortable moments in order not to reveal to ourselves who we are, but to reveal to us who he is. And that is really what you're seeing in Judges chapter 6, Judges chapter 7, the story of Gideon, not a new story for you, I'm sure, It's a story of a man who is actually not the model of courage, a man who is not the hero that they needed. He he does not have the the, the strength of a Samson. He doesn't have the wisdom of Solomon. He he doesn't have the charisma of David. He doesn't have the leadership ability of Moses. In fact, when you read his story, you kind of laugh at the way in which the story begins. Because here you find a man who is down at the winepress, threshing wheat. So there's just two thoughts. There's so many others. I'm only going to give you two. You can make the rest of the application later in, in just your own reading. But here's two. Here's the first one. That when it comes to what God is doing in us, through us, with us, and even among us, two thoughts. First, God sees your potential, not just your past. God sees your potential, not just your past. Your past. I love that in the story we we find Gideon where God finds Gideon. We find Gideon, Gideon threshing wheat by the wine press, and then he tells us even the reason why because he is trying to hide it from the Midianites. Now, this is a very strange place to find him, and it could perhaps be lost on us in our cultural moment, because this isn't the way in which we go about our work or getting our food or groceries, but for them, this is the way in which they were able to provide for themselves. And whenever there would be a harvest, whenever there would be a crop, the Midianites were so powerful, they were so cruel, that They would march into Israel, whatever time the harvest season was, and they would take whatever the Israelites had harvested for themselves. They were just this band of of roaming robbers and thieves who would just go city to city, place to place. And the Bible teaches us in verse 1 that the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. This is often the way it is, that when we do not obey the Lord in the present, our past habits have a way of catching up with us. And that's what's happening here. And it's not only catching up with the Israelites, but it is also catching up with Gideon. They're plagued by this group of people, completely surrounded by their enemies, And so Gideon has to learn these last seven years how to make do. He's had to develop patterns and habits of how he would survive whenever the Midianites would show up. Can I tell you something about acts of courage for the Lord? That acts of courage are often a result of the habits we formed. Acts of courage are often a result of the, act, of, of, the, of the habits that we formed. But the reverse is also true. And when we lack courage, it is often a result of the habits that we have formed. The way in which we respond to adversity. The way in which we respond to problems. The way in which we respond to fear. You know how when you type something into Google, it auto-completes whatever it is that it thinks you are asking? You ever ever done that before, right? I asked Google one time, what is the current net worth of Zach from Saved by the Bell? And now Google thinks I want to know everyone's net worth. If I Google your name, it'll say current net worth, and it'll it'll, it'll auto-fill your name. You, you know, this is the way it works even in our own lives, that the habits we form are a result, are, a, are an indicator of the courage or lack of courage that we often have. The Bible says that Gideon is threshing wheat in the winepress. Now, I don't know the last time you threshed wheat, but if you are doing that on a regular basis, you know this, that you do not thresh wheat in the wine press. And the wine press is where you press out the grapes in order to get the wine. It is not where you were supposed to thresh wheat. When you threshed wheat, you would take the wheat and you would throw it up into the air. So everything in the wheat that was useless the wind would blow it away and anything that had substance and anything that had um, weight to it, anything that was important for you in order to be able to make the bread or have the food or provide the corn, whatever it is, it would fall back down to the ground. And so this is what he's doing. He's threshing wheat, but notice he's threshing wheat in the wine press. When you threshed wheat, you wanted to do it at a place that was elevated so when you threw the wheat in the air, the wind could take away what was useless. When you pressed wine, you went down in, To the ground in order to press the wine. And so here's Gideon Gideon, hiding underground in order to in order to thresh the wheat. And notice the Bible says to hide it from the Midianites. In other words, he's no Chuck Norris. That's what he's saying, right? He's terrified. He's doing his, he's living his life. He's, he's, he's doing his job. He's acting in this way because of this reason. He's terrified. He's been terrified for the last seven years. And this is how he has learned how to navigate the season of fear. And this fear has turned on him and it's holding him hostage. It's holding him hostage. You see it because he's hiding in a hole in the ground. Fear makes us do things that don't make any sense. The sin of Israel drove Gideon into the wine press. And as a result, Gideon's been stuck there doing this this way for the last seven years. And I wonder how many times in your life or in my life do we get stuck doing something a certain way simply because of fear. Fear lacking the courage to follow the Lord and to all he's called us to be. I think everyone in the room can relate at some point or another with Gideon's story. I I believe that we all have things that can sneak into our heart, can sneak into our mind, can take hold of us, can tie us up and keep us hostage and prevent us From following the Lord and the way in which we know the Lord is calling us to. And can I tell you, friend, that this is not the way in which God intends for us to live. Maybe it's a sin that you're struggling with. Maybe it's something that has happened to you and it's just broken you. And it's made you feel small or helpless or insignificant. It's made you feel worthless or kicked to the curb. Maybe it's simply being away from your home, stepping out of the comfort zone. And now it has, it's creating in you these feelings of being oppressed and stuck. And you don't want to go hide in the wine press. You just want to go hide in your dorm room. If that's where you find yourself this morning, I want you to put yourself in the story just for a second. What would it be like for the Lord to show up in the middle of your dorm room while you're hiding and say to you, hey, man of courage, person of valor, mighty warrior. It's interesting, isn't it, that he calls him that? Because you you almost read the story and you're thinking, is the Lord making a joke here? (laughs) Oh, look, guys, Mr. Courageous right here, right? The Lord isn't making fun of him. The Lord sees in him a potential that Gideon does not see in himself. God sees your potential, not just your past. God determines who we are meant to be. God sees something in Gideon, listen very closely, that Gideon doesn't even see in himself. And God sees something in you that no one else sees in you. And God sees something in you that perhaps you do not see even in yourself. Maybe you look inside of your own heart and you only see fear or insecurity or uh, being inferior in some way or not as smart as him or not as pretty as her or not as popular as that or not as talented as this and it's very tempting in our lives to define ourselves by how we see ourselves but what we're realizing from the story of Gideon is it is not how you and I define ourselves that matters. It's how God sees us. It's how God defines us that matters. A lot of people see themselves the way in which Gideon did. I'm a nobody. And it leads to this self-loathing, feelings of frustration and doubt and worry. The Lord says to Gideon, Thou mighty man of valor. Verse 13, Gideon fires right back at the Lord, and Gideon said unto him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, then why then is all this befallen us? And where be all of his miracles which our fathers told us of? Verse 14, the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? Gideon says to the Lord, well, if the Lord is with us, if I'm a mighty man of valor, if there's something in me that I don't even see in myself, then why is our land being overran by the Midianites? Why am I down here hiding my wheat in the wine press? And it leads us to the second truth. And that is this, that God sees possibilities, not just problems. God sees possibilities, not just problems. Gideon wants to talk about all the difficulties. Gideon wants to talk about all the reasons They have got them there. But you notice how the Lord doesn't even address the hardships. He doesn't even address the difficulties that Gideon brings up. He never even answers Gideon's question. Gideon says, well, if, if, if I'm a mighty man of valor, and if we're supposed to be victorious, and if we're supposed to have meaning, and if we're supposed to be living with courage, and if we're not supposed to be hiding ourselves from this enemy, well, then... Well, then why are we? And the Lord just goes right past it. And the Lord says, well, I'm with you. Am I not? He doesn't even address the question. Notice what he says to Gideon. He says, verse number 14, go in this thy might and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? Can I I tell you this, friend, that you and I are the instruments of God's work in our time. And we can easily push back from the table and look around our world and we can bemoan all of the things that are going wrong around us or we can realize that we are the work of God in the world today. You and I are the ones that God has chosen to put here. This is an Esther moment for us. It is you that has been brought into the world for such a time as this, it is you who has been called into the work and the will of God for such a time as this. It's been, it's you who has been commissioned by the Lord for such a time as this. None of this is surprising to the Lord. He sees past all All of this. And none of it is problematic for him. He is a God who works above it and through it and in spite of it. God sees possibilities, not just the problems. The way in which the work of God will be accomplished in this world is through the people like the people in this room. It is through the people like the people in this room right now. And When you become discouraged, the strongest comfort is knowing that you are living in the will of God for your life. It doesn't mean that you're always perfect. Of course, none of us are. But you have a sense that what you are doing is what God wants you to do. And sometimes all we are able to see is the difficulty. All we are able to see is the problem. And it creates in us this fear. And we forget. We forget the very thing that God is telling Israel. Or or that God is telling Gideon. I am the one who sent you. So, three things here just to close it. First, courage comes from the presence of God. You can read just about any article on overcoming your fears, and it will, always, almost, it will almost always tell you, well, the way in which you overcome your fear is by learning to control your thoughts. Don't think about the things that scare you. Have you ever tried that? It doesn't work. I am terrified of clowns. I I am certain that those are what will run the world during the time of tribulation. I don't know, but those aren't that those demons released from the pit during that last three and a half years. It very well could be clowns. You don't know. The Bible does not say it is not them. If you try To just tell yourself, I'm not afraid of clowns. 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 Guess what? You're more afraid of clowns. I'm not afraid of spiders. I'm not afraid of spiders. I'm not. Guess what? You see a spider in your dorm room, you're running. It doesn't work. It doesn't work to just stuff your fear down and pretend like it's not there. It's not the way in which God calls us to deal with our fear. No, God, he brings a peace. He brings a way in which it is different than dealing with our fears. It's not just close your eyes and pretend like you're not afraid. No, it's open your eyes and see the presence of God with you. Courage comes from the presence of God. You know, the, the, the more time you spend... Watching or reading about sports, you know, the the bolder you become in your opinion about sports. If you read it all the time, if you listen to it all the time, you you, you know exactly the point to pontificate upon why your team or this quarterback or that pitcher is better than anyone else. You, You develop all kinds of convictions about sports because you spend a whole lot of time focused on it. It's not just just sports. If If you spend a whole lot of time on politics, guess what happens? You become bolder in your convictions or opinions on politics. If you watch all the shows, if you listen to all the news, if you listen to all of the podcasts, guess what happens? You become very convicted on your position of that political issue. The more time you spend with music, The more time you spend in whatever field it is, in whatever arena, when you're in it, when you live it, when you breathe it, you become more bold in your position on it. And guess what happens? The same is true with God. The more we spend time with God, the more bold we become. In following him. The more we spend time with God. The more bold we become. In following after him. Courage comes from the presence of God. But courage comes from the promises of God. Courage comes from the promises of God. God tells Gideon, I am with you. Look at verse 16. The Lord said unto him, says to Gideon, surely I will be with thee and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. The promise, this is what will happen. This is what will take place. I wonder how many of the promises of God are you claiming in and for your life even right now? I wonder how many of the promises of God are you claiming for your life right now? And people in love with God, people who are focused on the promises of God, are those who are most bold, they're most courageous in this world. Three, to step out courageously and take the risk of following after the Lord, even into the unknown. Courage comes from the presence of God. Courage comes from the promises of God. W- where are the promises of God found? The promises of God are found in the Word of God. When you spend time in the Word of God, And you're strengthening your spiritual life. You're you're refreshing your spiritual soul. You're taking his word, this revelation of himself for you and me. And you're adding it to your life so that you're able to step out into the warfare of your spiritual journey. Courage comes from the presence of God. Courage comes from the promises of God. Last one. Courage comes from the people of God. We won't read all the story, but the Lord tells Gideon that he wants him to go and tear down an altar and build an altar. He wants him to tear down the false altar of the, to the false God that his father had. But he wants him to build the true altar to the true God. And so we pick up now verse number 25. And the Bible reads like this. And it came to pass. The same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock and the second bullock of seven years old and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath and cut and cut down the grove that's by it and build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the order to place and take the second bullock the, and offer the, the burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove, which thou shalt cut down. And Gideon, verse 27, and Gideon took 10 men of his servants and did as the Lord said, as, as the Lord had said unto him. And so it was because he feared his father's household and the men of the city, that he could not do it by day, but he did it by night. He just started a step of saying, okay, I'm going to obey. St- this is a Nicodemus moment. I, 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 I want to know the truth. I'm just not going to go during the day and ask. I'm going to go at night. But he took a step of courage. And listen, he took with him 10 minutes. Because oftentimes in our Christian life, in our journey to the purposes that God has for us, it matters so much the kind of people we surround ourselves with. Want to take bold steps of faith in the Lord? Find people who are taking bold steps of faith and surround yourself with them. Find faithful friends. There's all kinds of commentary on verse number 27 uh, criticizing Gideon for taking 10 men. And right, he should have went by himself and he should have went during the day. You know, and that's wonderful. And maybe he should have. But you know who never criticizes Gideon for this? God. God knows the weakness of Gideon's heart. And God had placed people around Gideon's life who in his full understanding, his omniscience, he knew Gideon would need these people in order to help him take that first courageous step. Of course, you know Gideon's story. This isn't the only courageous step that Gideon has to take. This isn't the the only moment where we are left scratching our heads going, really, this is the plan of God? But this was the first of many. This was the first of many. This was a a good first step to create a pattern and a habit of being courageous and responding to what God had called Gideon to do. Courage comes from the presence of God. Courage comes from the promises of God. And courage comes from surrounding yourself with the people of God.